You know what's cool? Podcasts. You know what's not cool? No podcasts. Check out all the podcasts over here at blindknowledge.com. This podcast you're listening to right now is a featured Blind Knowledge podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm rocking out, man. I don't know what the name of this tune is, but it's badass, and I'll find it on YouTube Studio. Actually, YouTube doesn't need any more promos. My name is Joey B. This is the Blind Knowledge Podcast. What's up, guys? It is noontime here on the East Standard, or the Standard East. Man, it's noontime here in St. Petersburg, Florida, and we're doing the damn thing. We're doing the damn thing with Andy Fry. Do you know the guy? Do you know Andy Fry? 877-237-1143 is the number. 877-237-1143. Amazon gift card if you give me a text on that number right now before Andy Fry leaves for his very important conference call with whoever it is. I'm not sure. So that's all I got for the intro. I'm not going to show blindknowledge.com because blindknowledge.com may or may not be the greatest place. Some people don't like blindknowledge.com. I happen to think it's cool. You know, what do you think? Now, it doesn't matter what you think about blindknowledge.com. So I won't show blindknowledge.com. I'm not going to talk about blindknowledge.com. Um, and I'm not even going to go there to blindknowledge.com. So go. Don't talk about blindknowledge.com. That's my non-show blindknowledge.com intro. You like how I did that, didn't you? Andy Fry, come on on. Hey, we got up? Andy Fry here. Andy, good sir. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, it's 25 degrees here in Chicago, so uh, that explains my, my mid-cap here. Well, you're in Florida, roasting, I imagine, right? I am, right now, I'm comfortable. Okay, I'm so go. comfortable. I roast from June until November. And then November hits, and I am comfortable. <laughs> I'm not cold. I'm comfortable. Good deal. Yeah, and saying that, if anyone's hearing this that isn't in Florida, I'm the dickhead, I guess. <laughs> At least that's what my friends are probably thinking back home. And we'll just call you, we'll just call you a, a masshole since you're from Boston. How about I'm that? Told, I'm not a masshole, man. I think I've mellowed. I really do. i to fix this level. But I think I've mellowed a little bit. Um, but I still have that sarcasm kick, I've been told. But I'm working on myself. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Anyway, um, Andy Fry, for those that don't know, works for Forbes. Forbes magazine, correct? Yeah, I'm actually a, a, a freelance writer. I don't, I'm not a staffer freelance. there. I'm not commuting to the, the big Forbes tower every day, but you know, I get to do cool stuff nonetheless and talk to a lot of great uh, athletes and people. Okay, so you're a specialist free, free, freelance writer basically. Yeah. And you, you go off the cuff. That's awesome. That's great to be able to just market yourself and your own brand as it's like, Hey, I'm Andy Fry. I'm going to wear whatever I want. And to this meeting and you already know who I am kind of thing. Your, your work speaks for, speaks for itself rather. Yeah. Try to try to just do your thing, you know, and um, I don't know. I feel like the athletes I've interviewed, they're just, if you treat them like regular people, you know, talk to them honestly, then you get, uh, you know, they interact with you in, in that way. So it's, you know, that's just, just kind of having conversations with people. I mean, that's all it is, right? I mean, that's really, 
what I think interviews are. They're just conversations. Like, let me ask you this. So you have the writing perspective, obviously, as the writer. Does your whatever happens before this interview ever influence what's going to happen on that interview with that athlete? Or have you, do you know how to just check that? I, it kind of depends. I mean, most of the time it's not. Obviously, if, you know, so I got to talk to uh, Tom Brady at the beginning of this calendar year. And I, if I remember right, it was he had retired, but he didn't unretire yet. Um, we were talking about his new, uh, apparel brand, which is just called Brady brand. And I think I was probably like, it wasn't that we weren't going to talk about football, but, uh, you know, I was kind of more interested in him, like making a, a career change and a pivot. So, uh, I was obviously with him winning seven Super Bowls and all that, you know, all those achievements you can't gloss over, but, um, he, yeah, I think he definitely warmed up to the fact that, uh, I acknowledge that he was starting a new, newish venture and yeah, he's a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, but, he, you know, he's a businessman and he had to hire designers and all these like people who know the apparel business, all that stuff. So it's great to kind of hear him talk about being new to something. So not really, but then like a, a, a couple, yeah, I got about a year and a half ago, I interviewed Draymond Green and like I held my story because he said, you know, I, I love Draymond Green, but he sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth. And he says things that are, you know, has to be cleaned up after. And I just held my story for like a week or two, which sort of worked out for what I when I was going to plan to post it anyway. So there's a little bit of that, but I pretty much just roll with um, what I got. And uh, obviously, you know, there are people too. So you just kind of want to show them as people. And there's not really too much calculation in terms of uh, gaming your interview based on what happened yesterday. I mean, unless, yeah, someone caught the Super Bowl touchdown. Yeah. If I had a chance to interview Cooper Cup, who I didn't know much about after the last Super Bowl, you know, he went from pretty good to like, you know, Hall of Fame performance in one game and really carried the Rams. Then, yeah, I would I would talk to him about that game, but I didn't get that interview. And maybe I'll talk to him at, at some point where he does something else amazing. But, yeah, I just, you know, I talk to people uh, about it, about sports just like I would talk. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, just stuff in your life. And that's, I think, a way to kind of keep it authentic. Cool. We don't have to talk about Cooper Cup, though, though. It does sound like you really like him. A lot of people do. Not well. Right. everybody seems to right now. It's Cooper Cup year, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, he's had a good he's had a good run. So I can't hate on him. I don't mean to inflect any kind of hate. I like I love and I don't hate anyway. But nevertheless, Cooper Cup's awesome. He's not a patriot, though. So oh well, he's not that great. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to get some like bad emails for that one. Everyone hates the Patriots, though, right? Everyone does, even when we're not that good. But phew, I don't know about what you think, but our quarterback is looking pretty damn good. Yeah, it's coming along. You know, I grew up an Eagles fan, uh, so so I'm not sure that I'm right. the right person to ask. But uh, No, you're not, actually. And I, I, forgot, I already forgot that, and I'm so... Um, Oh, Eagles fans, it screws me all up just thinking about it, dude. Sorry, but you guys yeah. suck. I used to, so I used to joke a long time ago that that Eagles fans had to budget for the additional cost of uh, a night in jail after going to the game, and then I saw somebody like had the same idea and wrote that in the column, I guess, about ten years ago. So that that was kind of kind of funny that somebody thought the same thing because I always you know thought about I, I I joke with my friends back home about how obnoxious they can be. 
at Phillies games or Flyers. I mean, I, I grew up watching the Flyers and being in the stands and hearing people yell at the ref and say certain things you wouldn't say in, in public, at least back then. I don't mind that. I think there's a fine line between, you know, calling the ref an a-hole and throwing mm-hmm. a beer can at the ref that says a-hole on it, right? Throwing icicles at Santa or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, so yeah. That's, uh, that's where it is now. Maybe the Eagles, because they're ten and one right now, they're they're less likely to, uh, I don't know, throw a keg of beer out on the field. But you know, who knows? yeah, yeah, they don't want to screw it up. They'll, so yeah, that's a good point, Andy. When when the teams are winning, the the fans are smarter. It's it's louder when defense is going on. It's softer in the stadium when offense is on. You know, that's how that's how I feel as a Patriots fan because we sucked for a long time. And then mm-hmm. when we started winning, like we didn't know we were going to start winning either. We didn't even know we were that good. We just somehow got to the Super Bowl against the friggin' Rams, mm-hmm. uh, the greatest show on turf. And we were like 13 point underdogs or something like that. We were not supposed to win that game. Yeah. Last time we went to a Super Bowl was against the Packers and we got crushed. So no one really remembers us being any good. We've always sucked. Always. The Bears Super Bowl got crushed. Yeah. Somehow... This scrawny dude, Tom Brady, he just takes over. He takes over, or maybe, depending on how you look at it, he followed the script. Yeah, I think he was definitely coached one, and and so Belichick had a system. It was interesting, though, that in that, so, you know, I don't know how you old, I'm 50, so I remember when I was probably, so 2001-ish or so, when, you know, both the Patriots and the Rams had a backup quarterback that, and a, you know, Hall of Famer. So Brady's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but Kurt Warner, you know, remember the yeah, front page true. of uh, the front cover of Sports Illustrated with Kurt Warner's picture saying, who, who is this guy? You know, he was the guy who was stocking shelves and got picked up, I guess, as a free agent or, you know, whatever rung is lower than a free agent after his Wait, Tom Alter. Brady? No, no, Kurt Warner. Oh, but cool. then Kurt at the Warner, same gotcha. time, like, Tom Brady wasn't, a, you know, he wasn't a first round draft pick. Draft pick. He was, uh, no. he was a backup, wasn't he? Originally, the, the Bledsoe or whoever was there. The Tom Brady's. There's only one, yeah. right? There's only one Tom Brady, and that does Tom Brady things. Like he was six round draft pick. He was third stringer. Yeah. Um, it was him. Uh, no, it was Bledsoe, Zolak, then him. And I think at one point he might have been this. I don't know what year it was, but he might have been fourth string behind Ken Walter. Okay. So, some for some reason they held on to him. Everyone loves Tom Brady. It's hard not to love him. Um, you know, it's funny. I never talk about Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I got nothing bad to say about him. But our defenses were always so great. We always had the right things happening at the right time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the map was there for Tom Brady, and and that's awesome. I think that's great. It gave us six Super Bowls. You know, and mm-hmm. um, but the map, the road map was there. So. What is the Andy Fry roadmap, dude? You are no longer harnessed to any kind of commitment, it sounds. You're a freelance writer these days. For those that are joining in, you don't know who Andy Fry is. Four years ago, not today, but four years ago, he worked for uh, Rolling Stone magazine, which used to be great. It was especially Mm -hmm. great probably when he was there. Let us know if you know in the chat. Uh, nowadays he hangs out with Forbes guys and, and what else do you do? Do you, are you writing a book? Do you, uh, do you go? I, I teach golfing? on the side, I teach, uh, social media, digital marketing, which is kind of interesting because I, I remember just 15 years ago and I was like, Oh, what the, you know, what do we call this 
this website called LinkedIn that I hadn't heard of Facebook. But uh, in addition to that, I, I published a book this summer called 90 Days in the 90s. And it's basically a time travel story of a record store owner who is, goes back to the 1990s to kind of figure some things out and reboot her life. But uh, he ends up having too much fun in the 90s and getting really entrenched in the music scene of uh, Chicago, but also, you know, grunge and indie and all the stuff that was mainstream when music changed in the 90s. So I, it's kind of a deep dive into 90s music and yeah, a little bit of nostalgia and all the things that were great about the 90s too. So That's cool, man. I'm a 90s kid. I'm a 90s, um, not a 90s baby, but I was four, <laughs> you know, four to 14 in the 90s. The music is just, it's amazing. It, there is no decade like it. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. So we always hear about how great the 60s and 70s were and obviously the 80s, too. And, you know, every decade has its great artists. So you can't really knock any decade. But I, I feel like there's been less attention paid to the 90s as a whole. Like we always talk about Nirvana. And so on, but there's, there's so much more to it that I wanted to kind of pick out and cover and share with people. So that's where the book came from. 90s music. Uh... Yeah. Grunge always gets the big, oh, it's the grunge decade. It, dude, it's the hip-hop decade, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think, uh, well, the, the the artists that I like are probably different than the ones that a lot of people like or they think about. Obviously, like I tend to trend more East Coast because I, I loved and I grew up on Public Enemy and Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. But then, you know, NWA was they had their first album out in, I think, maybe even 88, 89 but then it was kind of Dre's decade too, you know, and Snoop. And obviously you can't, you can't talk about hip hop and just talk about one locale. Like in the eighties, you talk about New York and in hip hop and rap, but then, you know, it really blew up and went in all directions. And like a lot of music subgenres, we get to see what's going on in different parts of the, of the country, you know, Atlanta, Dirty South and all that fun stuff. So. Okay, I like that you said Dirty South because I was just going to interrupt you because I was just going to have to say, like, instinctual. Like, it just sounds like the generic answer. Like, yeah, it started over in Cali and then it moved over to New York and then, boom, hip-hop. And it's no, it's no hate on you at all or no, um, no, no sarcasm or whatever the terminology is on that. No negativity towards you, Andy Fry. I would have said the same thing. I just feel like there's maybe more to it. You know, mm -hmm. what about what was going on in freaking Cleveland? Maybe there was someone making beats out in Cleveland. There know? was. With Bone, Hugs, Bone Thugs and Harmony put out some great albums in. Right Bone Thugs, Cleveland? So, I mean, you know, I, there's <laughs> probably stuff in Detroit and Maine and Idaho that I don't know about. But, I mean, the point is that it wasn't <sighs> just North and L.A. It was Atlanta and Cleveland. And, um, you know, we had a little bit in Seattle, I suppose. But, yeah, it was, that's, that was, that's the essence of the 90s. And it was new music and originality and creativity in all different directions, not just one scene. You know, we think of the eighties, eighties were great, but I mean, think of Prince Springsteen, Madonna, and then hair metal. All metal was pretty much from either England or like upper England, like where Def Leppard was from in Sheffield or, you know, um, LA, you know, and that was all kind of hair and spandex, but mm. I feel like the creativity pervaded, the scene and sort of artists, what the artists were doing kind of dictated more what we listened to and what we discovered more than what the executives maybe wanted us to hear. What 
they weren't really crafting a, a market. It was just sounds coming from every direction. And well, they were in control of it. They were writing their own music and had their own schedules and got to be the centerpiece back in back in the day. Now it's not so much like that. You know, especially the way the music industry is now. I mean, I'm a 21 year old guitar player. I've played in clubs around Boston when I lived up there. Um, I have an idea of actually, I have a very, very known idea of how it works. And it's like, why don't, why don't we just let the artists be artists and give them like a week or two away from mm-hmm. society? It's good. Put them, put them in festival mode. You know, and have them create stuff so we're not redoing the same songs and the same. And now we're actually, and this sounds, someone will throw hate on me for this, but it's true. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're just taking the same beats and we're changing octaves and fucking knobs. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, come on, man. There are other chords. There are other chords you can play besides C, D, G, and A minor. You can do this. You can play that. You know, you can learn some theory. Go do something different. Play in 5-4. Do whatever it is. See if it works. See if it doesn't. But the, don't give me 101 Dalmatians again. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, that was the whole direction of it. So, I mean, that's why I love the 90s. And there, even now, I mean, I'm 50. It's 2022. I, I could spend hours on Spotify finding stuff that is – everything was different yeah but i mean i'm still finding stuff that like if you like so like i love the early bc boys i like the 90s bc boys i stumbled probably 10 years ago now stumbled across a group called northern state which are three women that sound like northern state okay sound like early Beastie boys they sound like licensed ill and either you love the sound or you hate it but i mean i'm still discovering stuff just by being curious and be it by being a music lover so i mean that's find your music where where'd you find them I think after I probably found them originally on some local college radio here, and then now that I'm on Spotify and Apple Pod, Apple okay. Tunes and stuff, I can just jump on and and grab it. And you know they're not touring, so I can't I can't see them live, unfortunately. But um, they're not. Yeah, keep abreast of what they did and what they do, and that's what I do with you know probably my 50 favorite bands, I guess. Um, thanks for joining us. If you are, it's amazing. You heard him. You heard him here say it. College radio. And I'm just so pumped that you said college radio because I used to DJ for college radio, yeah. and I am thinking of like reaching out to college radio stations because it seems like everything under the dial of ninety two three, I think it is, that's community radio. You know, it's really different. It's just something different. Yeah, I mean, I think about um, your favorite bands before they were famous toured little clubs before they toured, you know, and I don't really like to go to big shows, but I've, I've you know, like I've seen Guns N' Roses at Wrigley and if oh, Bowie was alive, mm. I would go to whatever big stadium he was at. Dude, but nonetheless, so all those jealous. great artists that you love played a little club in front of 12 people at some point, you know, most Good of them point. did. Good point. Did you say Wembley Stadium? I probably did, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that <laughs> Bowie yeah. and some of these people played Wembley, but wow. the point is that... Um, it's amazing. Yeah, you mean... Obviously, anybody. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Ariana Grande played in little clubs, you know, in in the United States before she. If she hasn't, she should. Why doesn't she? Who knows? But you know, Liz Fair. Uh, oh, there's a reason why. But all right. Liz, you know, Liz, <laughs> anyway. Fair, Liz Fair started doing small clubs here in Chicago, maybe just to kind of piss people off. She sold out the Empty right. Bottle, which is about the size of my living room, in um, 
you know, 20 minutes. So I, I definitely couldn't get to see her, but that's cool to see that people actually care about that sort of thing. So, but you'd remember it and know that you were there if you loved it. Yeah. If you love that music specifically, you're one of like 50 people to see Ariana Grande. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. thinking about it logically, I mean, yeah. not as a musician and a music lover, but thinking about it, it's probably not a good scene. I could only imagine the trampling that would be happening. Or maybe not. Maybe they do it right because, you know, they thought of that in, mm-hmm. you know, before it happened. But nevertheless, you said Northern State is not uh, touring. Which is cool because so you go to a lot of live shows too. You mentioned obviously the Rolling Stone. For me, I like live music. I think a real band, real music, something you can actually call tangible music if there is such a thing, happens live. Yeah. If you look at a live album, if you look on that cassette or or vinyl or um, you know whatever in an MP3, you know you can. You can be there if you wanted to. This was recorded here at Red Rocks at so-and-so. It was a one-time thing. Um, Why isn't that happening more? Why don't we get more live, um, you know, live versions of anything anymore, really, it seems. I think we're we're, we're starting to. It's just, it's it's just, you know, it's the music scene has changed. Um, I'd love to pick this up, the conversation with you up a second time. I I I gotta go because I've got to go. Got to talk to an athlete, but um, got to talk to an athlete. All right, Andy. All right. Well, thanks for hanging. I appreciate it. Thank you for wearing the beanie and good luck to you, man. Hopefully we can talk to you soon, man. Yeah. See you later. Andy's got to go. That's Brandy Chastain. He's going to talk to Brandy Chastain and he's on with me. All right. I'm going to go jump out the window because obviously the karma on that is, um, I don't know. I don't know what the karma on that is, or maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a positive thing. Is this a good day for you? Shit, man. It's, it's okay for me. It'd be better if I had Brandy Chastain on here, but we had Andy Fry. Andy's cool, man. He's a writer. He's got the writer vibe. I am kind of a writer, but not known for it. This dude is Andy fucking Fry. He works for Rolling Stone. He works for Forbes. Andy Fry, everybody. And I'm sorry for swearing, Andy. I don't know what your vibe is on that, being a family man. Anywho, my name is Joey B. This is Blind Knowledge Podcast. We're going to internet radio, folks, because that's the vibe. That's the vibe. That's what we're going to do. 877-237-1143. What up, St. Petersburg? 20% off. If you want to learn how to do this and show me that you're better than me, hit me up. Drop me a, a, uh, drop me a hello. Drop a hey. All of my friends come meet you. Okay. Hey, don't worry about it. To see movies that don't suck. I wouldn't tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking again. I was not expecting that. After you've scrubbed all the floors in Hyrule, then we can talk about mercy. Take him away. No! We are going to die. <laughs> <laughs>
Sully each week as he chats with special guests to discuss many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. about blind knowledge is we are in multiple countries we are worldwide all across the globe we are in the u.s we are in the uk we are in canada germany india japan we're in australia y'all blindknowledge.com now back to the feature presentation 